Let us continue in prayer. Lord God, may your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Our scripture passages today uh, come from both the Old and New Testament and the Old Testament lesson is from Micah chapter 5 verses 5 to 12. In both of these scripture lessons, listen for God's special word to you. This is what the Lord says. As for the prophets who lead my people astray, if one feeds them, they proclaim peace. If he does not, they prepare to wage war against him. Therefore, night will come over you without visions and darkness without divination. The sun will set for the prophets and the day will go dark for them. The seers will be ashamed and the diviners disgraced. They will all cover their faces because there is no answer from God. But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgression, to Israel his sin. Hear this, you leaders of the house of Jacob, you rulers of the house of Israel, who despise justice and distort all that is right, who build Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with wickedness. Her leaders judge for a bribe, her priests teach for a price, and her prophets tell fortunes for money. Yet they lean upon the Lord and say, Is not the Lord among us? No disaster will come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Jerusalem will become a heap of rubble. The temple hill abound, overgrown with thickets. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our New Testament lesson comes to us from Matthew's Gospel, a reading from chapter 23, the first 12 verses. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them, and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. They tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for men to see. They make their phylacteries wide, and the tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplaces and to have men call them rabbi. But you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master, and you are all brothers. 
call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. My dear ones, if you are looking for a light, feel-good reading from the Bible, I do not recommend the prophet Micah. Turn back, sisters and brothers, if you are looking for a sweet Bible quote to embroider on a pillow. If, however, you would like to be challenged to take a deep look at yourself and to truly explore the darkest regions of your soul, to ferret out even the most tenacious sin, both individual and corporate, then by all means, start out with our friend, Micah. Micah calls out just about everyone. False prophets who lead the people away from God rather than toward God. Prophets who are in it for nothing more than the money. Who are happy as long as they have food in their bellies. People who say they stand for peace but eat their fill while doing nothing for those who have no food. Those who fail to work for justice for all people. Those who profit off of the suffering or the marginalization of others and especially rulers and leaders who lead the people into these patterns of cultural idolatry, injustice, power-grabbing, and greed. Pretty sure Micah has called us all out there. And cry as we might that God is on our side, we are the chosen, disaster is in store for those who do not seek justice and peace, those who profit while others suffer, those who do not seek God above and beyond any earthly gain or notoriety, and especially for those in charge of injustice and unkindness and even simple ambivalence toward the well-being of people suffering in the margins of society. Ouch. In Matthew 23, Jesus puts more of his focus on the Pharisees and the scribes, the leaders, but Jesus also does a pretty good job of implicating everyone as having an intimate relationship with sin. And just as an extra catch to make sure we understand that he is talking to all of us, he reminds us that as soon as we think we're better than that, as soon as we begin exalting ourselves, we are part of the problem. Humility is coming, brothers and sisters, ready or not. Jesus tells us of two types of hypocrites in the world, and I challenge you to find one person out there who hasn't fallen into at least one of these categories a time or two in their life. We have the hypocrites who say one thing and do another, you know, like telling your kids not to stay up too late watching TV and then staying up too late yourself watching that new movie that just came out, or telling people you care about starvation and then throwing away uneaten food because you have more than you know what to do with. 
And then there are the hypocrites who behave righteously, but do it for the wrong reasons, like eating a salad at dinner, not because you want to be healthy, but because you want people to think that you are healthy. Or doing something generous for a homeless person and then posting the videos of it all over the internet for everyone to see. And the church is not immune to getting wrapped up in its own sense of power or complacency about what is happening in the world around it. Even the church doesn't always manage to do the right things for the right reasons. After World War II, German Christians wrestled with how the Christian tradition had helped prepare the way for authoritarianism by exhorting the virtue of obedience to superior power. Many were influenced by German Lutheran theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who before his execution by the Nazis because of his participation in an assassination plot against Hitler, had been shifting his own theological emphasis away from discipleship as obedience and toward discipleship as responsible freedom lived before God. You see, when we focus too much on obedience as an end in and of itself, first and foremost, we risk falling into the traps that the scribes and Pharisees fell into, traps that the German church fell into, traps like saying one thing because we know it's the right thing to say and doing another because it's the easy thing to do. Or of being obedient for all the wrong reasons like fear or self-interest. In doing so, we pave the way for power to be misunderstood and abused both in the church and outside of it. Beyond that, enforcing discipleship to be little more than teaching people how to blindly obey, we put more on people than any person can possibly handle. We lay oppressively heavy burdens on each other. A focus on love, however, is a proclamation of freedom that naturally leads us and others around us to a healthy focus on God and a desire to do God's will. Not even the American church is immune to the hypocrisies and the complacency that we see laid out in Micah and Matthew today. In the 19th century, Christian slave owners justified their complicity in evil by declaring that slavery was for the slave's own good. Although evil surely resides in individual acts, evil also becomes routinized in everyday attitudes and systematic patterns that over time are taken for granted as the way things are. Innocently or not, people without vision, without revelation, let their institutions do the sinning for them while they keep up the appearance of having clean hands. Significantly, no Christian community except the Quakers disentangled themselves from the evil of human bondage, while Baptist, Methodist, and Presbyterian bodies all passed resolutions condemning slavery, they continued to accept slave owners as church members and to ordain slaveholders in the ministry. Ouch. Justice, according to both Micah and to Jesus, looks different than we might think of. Sometimes when you hear the word justice, there are a couple of notes that might come to mind. Dun, 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 
We think the word justice and we start to think of something like law and order or the criminal shows that we see on TV. But justice isn't just about law. Certainly law is to be concerned about justice. But justice is how we treat one another. It's not just making sure people who treat others really badly are punished. It's ensuring that people aren't treated badly in the first place. Peace isn't simply a lack of war. It's the presence of well-being for everyone. Justice is the understanding that everyone, no matter who they are, is beloved of God. Justice is the only measure by which we can find peace in our hurting world. We aren't faithful because of the words we say or the doctrines we hold to be true or the rules that we put on the shoulders of ourselves and the people around us. We are faithful because of where our hearts are. If our life is pointing at anything other than God, not just mostly at God, but entirely at God, we have some serious work to do. We aren't really doing the right thing if our motivation is anything other than sharing God's freeing love and justice with others. Even when that means God is the only one who sees what we did. We don't all have the same things to give. Some have much money. Some have only a little. Some have a lot of time. Some have pretty packed schedules. Some are physically able Others, not as much. But hearts aimed toward God can participate in the justice and the love bringing in the world that Micah and Matthew describe. Whatever it is that they have to give. Justice is being a compassionate leader when called upon to lead. And it is also holding those who lead us to God's standards of love and justice. Justice is going out on Tuesday to vote, even though it's not that big, exciting, every four-year election. And it's going out and voting, not just for those who talk a good religious talk, but for those who have a just and loving track record of caring for all people, seeking peace, and helping those society would prefer to ignore those who lead in a Christ-like manner. Doing all we can to inform ourselves about who those just and kind leaders are, even in the less than exciting but arguably more important local elections. Justice is speaking out against oppressive systems and working for the dignity of those who are stuck on the outside edges of the world looking in. And it is also the loving action of every once in a while just telling the cashier at the drive-thru that you would like to add the car behind you to your total. Buy a meal for a stranger who can't possibly thank you for it. Love is entering the difficult world of volunteering to help the homeless or the sick or those who are imprisoned, but it is also the simple act of randomly leaving a flower on someone's windshield or front doorstep with an unsigned note. It says God loves you. You matter. Micah challenges people with power to walk side by side with the oppressed, to fight for the world to see the equality we are each owed as the children of God 
And Micah also challenges people to send anonymous letters or cards to one another, telling them how valued and precious they are. We can do this work together, too. We aren't just all individual secret agents doing sneaky nice things. We love people together in large ways, like our denomination sending relief funds and teams to clean up after disasters worldwide. We join together with other churches to do God's work. But we can also join together to love people in small ways, too. Just this morning, I saw a video of baseball fans high up in a stadium, and they were throwing a hat. You see, someone who was high up in the balcony had dropped their hat down below, and someone below managed to catch it or pick it up off of the ground, and the fans were throwing it up to one another, one balcony tier at a time. One person would throw, and a person on the next tier would catch. Someone else would throw, and a person on the next tier would catch. And every once in a while, someone would miss the catch, and the hat would fall back down a few tiers. And the crowd was not stopped by that. They would just start throwing that hat again until it made it all the way up. Never giving up. Always working together. Some people were tossing. Some people were catching. Some were just cheering until that hat was back with the person who lost it. You see, justice is finding out what belongs to whom and making sure they have it. Justice is making sure everyone has enough to eat on a large scale and on a small scale. Love is making sure that everyone knows what a valuable, precious child of God they are. Hearts oriented to God do not do these things for the recognition, but because in doing so, God is glorified, and in that God's kingdom, heaven, comes just a little bit closer to this broken world. Justice makes sure that when someone drops something important to them, it's picked up, dusted off, and handed, or perhaps tossed to them with joy. Maybe Micah isn't so bad, after all. We're preparing ourselves now to enter into the time of year during which the idea of giving and kindness is at the forefront. But we don't have to wait until Advent officially starts. We don't have to wait until Christmas to start showing people God's amazing love enacted here on earth. So let's remember these important examples as we move out into the world today, remembering the importance of having our hearts oriented to God and therefore God's love and justice at all times. Let us remember that the very greatest among us, Jesus, came to serve and so to follow in his footsteps, we must remember that whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Go out humbly today, dear ones, to love and to serve the Lord. Amen. <laughs>